When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Wednesday Buckeye Talk. And I, I will tell you, I don't exactly know how it happened, but I feel like this podcast that we're about to do is now one of our things. And like, I look forward to it. And I don't think we invented it. We didn't invent it. But it's like, it's a staple. We have some staples here at Buckeye Talk. Douglas Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. You know, we do the Buckeye Retalkables. We do... Buckeye fly effect. We love to rank stuff. We have Buckeye football futures. We have market down Monday, right? Like I love the stuff that we do, but Nathan, the drive in the bus pod, which, you know, like who is your guy? Who's your guy? That's what we're doing on this big Wednesday podcast. We've done it at least once before, maybe only once, but I think people get it. And I love it. I love the bus pod now. I brought it up earlier this week when we were talking about the defensive backs, and I think I know who I brought it up in relation to. I'm not sure if that's who I'm going to pick for my guy, though, <laughs> but I kind of threw it out there, and I think that's what triggered this, right? Like, it kind of reminded us, like, oh, yeah, we need to do that like this, and this is a good time to do it when you're sort of getting into preseason camp. You start to see who is getting their shot, who is not, who you think maybe deserves more of a look, whatever. We'll discuss like, ex- exactly what we mean by driving the bus, but you, it, I think it does kind of give you um, some indication of like it's a way to talk about the guys that we're not maybe talking about enough or a way to talk about guys in a new way. So we I don't say- do it a lot, but when we just kind of when we're doing other pods, we are constantly driving the bus for people, even yeah. if it's not the topic. But I like it. It's it's like to me. And, and I will say this. This is what uh, we got this from the 614. I love texts like this. I love our tech subscribers, 614-350-3315 if you want to be one. I sent out the thing and, and I put in all caps, who are you driving the bus for? And I said, send in your vote, whatever. Somebody replied, okay, this text made my day. I didn't see who texted and all I saw was, who are you driving the bus for? I've never been more confused as to what I was supposed to be doing. I've never driven bus and I was concerned I promised someone I would drive bus. So that text made my day and I love the idea. But to me, what is driving the bus? I think you can drive the bus for anyone. And it's just that you believe in that person more than the average fan believes in that person. So if, if the average Ohio State fan thinks 
Chris Olave is going to be an All-American and go down in history as one of Ohio State's best receivers. If you said, man, I'm driving the bus for Chris Olave because I think he's going to win the Heisman and be a top five pick. There's still room to drive the bus for Chris Olave, right? I mean, people, if you think, people think Quinn Ewers is going to be good. If you said, I think Quinn Ewers is going to win two Heismans. There's still room to drive the bus for Quinn Ewers. There's room to drive the bus for anybody. You could, Haskell Garrett was an All-American last year. If you said, you know what? I think Haskell Garrett is going to have 11 sacks as a defensive tackle and be picked in the top 15, right? Like there's, I think there's room for everyone. So that to me, Nathan, what is driving the bus? It is believing in someone more than the average person does. And, and I think it can apply to anybody. Do you remember who we drove before last year? Not, I an, remember, I, not an idea. I do remember no who idea. mine was. I do remember who mine was. Who was but it? I think, we did, I think we did it much earlier in the year. I don't think we did it in camp. I'm just going to assume mine was number five. Yeah, that's, that's how I'm referring to him from now on. Assumption. He's, he's just number five. Mine was, and we can go back and check. I'm I'm 99% sure it was Nicholas Petit Frere. That's pretty good. I there is room, and and people I put out this, I just sent out the text to our tech subscribers and said, like, hey, we're getting ready to do it. Here's how many people got votes. And uh people were someone at least one person texted back and said, like, can I still vote? Can I still vote? We got almost 39 different guys got votes. That's how that's like half the roster. Yeah. It's like half the scholarship players has someone driving the bus for them. There's one person who got the most. There's five people that got at least eight votes. And I already told the texters. And so you guys know what I'll tell everyone now. Julian Fleming was the leading vote getter here. He got 11 votes total. It's quite spread out. And a vote was, if you just mentioned the person's name, I, I made a, a tally in my, my little notebook. So some people voted for more than one person. That's fine. It's not an election. You can vote for more than one person. If I saw the player's name, I tallied it up. There are four other people who got at least eight votes. I'm not going to reveal them, but I want to get a sense for what you guys think. I'll take two guesses from each of you, and you can't duplicate. Nathan, you go first. Make a guess on someone else that got at least eight votes. Mayan Williams. All right, Stephen, give me a guess on someone that got at least eight votes. Kyle McCord. Stephen, we'll do a wraparound. I'll give you one more besides McCord. Taraja Mitchell. And Nathan, I'll give you one more. Dewan Jones. Okay. Those are our four guesses, and we will reveal them as we go. We're going to start on the offensive side of the ball, and – we are each going to pick one guy that we're driving the bus for. So when that player's name comes up, if that's your person, go ahead. I will tell you that my offensive person, and, and that, listen, I, I do the best I can. I'm going, I, I, let, I read every text, well over 100 texts back, well over 100 texts back. Maybe I, if I missed you and I, I missed tallied or something, I apologize. So if you hear me say, no one voted for this person, you're like, well, I voted for him. It's just me being bad at tally marks. So I did the best I could. The person that I'm going to drive the bus for offensively, I did not find a vote for, which I found interesting. So I'm excited to talk about that person, but let's talk. We're going to do offense first. Let's talk about, these are all the people. Let's talk about special teams first. Jesse Murko got a vote. So somebody, and I, I told, 
I told the texters that someone voted for the punter and somebody was like, does Jim Tressel subscribe to the texts? <laughs> Nathan, what, what would someone driving an Australian punter bus out into the outback? What would that look like? What would that be based on? Why, why, why would someone drive a punter bus? I think, well, if you've, if you've been following the news, uh, I would be driving a bus if I lived in Australia too. I'd be driving it to the nearest like port and getting off of that island because it's like infested with rats right now. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's like this frightening thing that's terrifying Australian farms right now. Um, I don't know what, what a punter bus would look like. I was, I was tempted to drive the bus for Jake Seibert, actually. Wow. We okay. weren't picking offense, but I was as as the person who like, hey, has the hate maybe gone a little bit too far on Jake Seibert? Um, is it maybe not a cataclysmic problem if he's the kicker for Ohio State in 2021? Okay, punter discussions are not that interesting. It's from the 970. I don't know if that's an Australian area area code. I, I can I tell you. I don't think if it, it is, is or not because I it like, is I'm an Australian person's number in my phone. So it's, it's not California. Really. It's okay. California. Yeah, and, and, no. and you don't have to be from Australia to believe in the punter. I think they probably got a good punter. Last time they got a punter from Australia, like he was awesome and he's in the NFL. So anyway, okay. These are some of the names of guys who got one vote by my tally on the offensive side of the ball. Marcus Crowley, Evan Pryor, G Scott, Emeka Egbuka, Jaden Ballard, Matthew Jones. And that's a vote from a couple days ago. Harry Miller, C.J. Stroud, and Marvin Harrison Jr. got under the wire, barely got that vote in. The guy who is probably going to be the starting quarterback, this was the vote from the 614. I'm thinking maybe C.J. Stroud. It seems like everyone is focusing more on the quarterback battle and the assumed emergence of Quinn Ewers as the savior by midseason. But what if C.J. Stroud turns out to be really good? This season feels a bit like 2014 after Braxton Miller was hurt and JT and Cardale battled it out. Yes, we had to suffer some growing pains, Virginia Tech, but JT was actually a really good quarterback in 2014. What if CJ Stroud turns out to be great and emerges as a clear quarterback? And to be clear, he is much more talented than JT was. That's the lone CJ Stroud vote for the starting quarterback. And that is a very reasonable vote to me. And it has helped me Again, this podcast is most about, most about helping me understand football. Have I perhaps, based on that text, decided that I think that C.J. Stroud is somewhere between Justin Fields and J.T. Barrett? And that is my new official description of him. He is like so the halfway box. point. But no, no, no. He's the halfway point oh, okay. of J.T. Barrett and Justin Fields. That, that if you're tough and you distribute it, and you don't make mistakes and you're a run threat, they're not going to run him like they ran JT. But also, you know, not as skilled as Justin because that's a high bar, man. More skilled than JT, but the way JT led, like, I don't know. That helped me, Stephen. The idea of CJ Stroud is driving the bus for him. What do you think of it? And are you, are you surprised that he only got one vote? Or does that make sense because most people are assuming he's going to be the quarterback? Yeah, I'm. Um- I, the way I and to get into the semantics of it, driving the bus, some of it has to feel like you're the only one on that island by yourself, and it's not just a foregone conclusion. And I think because CJ's, I guess, the, the, the perceived leader in this quarterback battle, that means everybody thinks that he's going to be pretty good. No one thinks he's going to suck this year. Yeah, but I understand where this texture is coming from, that it's not just that they think he'll win the job, that maybe there's – that there is something special there. I do think, though – 
I don't know that that's that different than how we've talked about CJ Stroud in some ways, though. Um, just in in that realm of of talent, no, because because I because the because the Ewers discussion that has gotten introduced here in the last two weeks has been like, yeah, all these guys are good, but maybe they're not this. They're not that thing that's like hanging up there on a mountain that that few people can ever reach for. So I I think we've I understand what the texter's getting at, um, and I think that maybe we have at times. Um, we spend so much time talking about the battle and so much time talking about the the downside of what Ohio State's getting this year as far as experience, um, you know, however many lack of reps they'll have relative to other starters, whatever, and not talk about the upside that could be there. Yeah, no, I, I don't know that the description, if I'm saying he's halfway between JT Barrett and CJ and Justin Fields, I don't know that that's new. It's just my new shorthand. It's my sure. new. Um, and I will say, to be clear, just as we mix metaphors here, there is no room on Ewers Island for a bus. If you want to be on Ewers Island with me, we drive mopeds. We walk a lot, frankly. We walk. We're like an old man going for a walk. I take old man walks now, right? You go out. It's like, oh, it's 730. The sun's setting. Let me go for a walk around the neighborhood. I am a I sit on my porch and I go, go for old man walks. So I didn't, uh, so we have 30, Quinn Ewers, I didn't count him as getting a vote because like he's not here yet. And I don't even know how to describe that, but that is an island, not a bus. But I will say from the 760, I'm definitely on the island with Doug in my belief that Ewers will be starting by the end of the season. I'll go as far to say he will uh, be better than the rest of the quarterback room. So that's an island. It's not a bus. And, and frankly, like there's no room on the island for the bus. And I don't even know how to get a bus to the island. So I think Quinn Ewers may someday be able to buy an island, though. Like he'd been one of those private island guys. Yeah, but and that's the thing. If Quinn Ewers. Maybe the ranch. Quinn, you know, but like, uh, we do both. He's not on a bus. Like he's got NAL money. He's never going to ride a bus again. You know, he's Uber he, XL or whatever it is. Yeah. Like the Uber that I can't pay for. And I'm not, we're not making fun. I mean, it's like the guy already has a, has a drink at or whatever, like the guy, I mean, he's got it going on. So this is not a Quinn Ewers discussion, but I just wanted to say that that's kind of hard to figure out. Uh, Jaden Ballard, a name that got a vote from the three, three, Oh, I'm not sure if this is what you mean by the question, but someone I have long been a fan for and still think can have an impact for the Buckeyes is Jaden Ballard. I know the depth in the receiver room this year, but to me, this is a guy that is still getting overlooked. Um, he's getting overlooked because of Ibuka and Harris in the 2021 class, but I really can see Ballard coming on strong at the end of the year. Like Olave did his freshman season. I get that this could be a long shot given the death in the room, but injuries happen. And this is a guy that is still a top 100 player and someone the coaches still talk about as being an impact player this year. So I'm going to pick Ballard for who I might believe in more than other people. Steven, I like that. That's like a good, I, 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 I that's a good case, right? A little, He's not a low-ranked recruit. He wasn't like yeah. a lot of, but like a guy who knows what he's doing. Maybe is not at the forefront of your mind, but hey, week eleven, week twelve, maybe this guy shows up and makes a play for you. I like this one because he falls under the Julian Fleming uh, category of he's really good. He just needs to learn how to play football because I mean he's from the Midwest where and he didn't necessarily he's never played with a good quarterback before. But yeah, the idea that. After some of these Matt games, some of these lower rated games where he gets in there and those blowouts, if we get to week 11, if he's worked his way up the depth chart, that's not crazy. Uh, Steven, I'm going to give this one to you as well, because I know you were at the Harry Miller table when we had the offensive line interviews on Tuesday. 
from the 585, I'm going to go all in for Harry Miller. Hear me out. Number one, he definitely had growing pains last year. And number two, he's, he's like at an important position, right? So that's, that's a big deal. So why is this person driving the bus? His personality is so interesting. He reads, he thinks outside the box. He's just a fun guy. I feel like something changes in year three in the program. And he's kind of the ideal. He was good. And now, oh my gosh, he's great. And I can't imagine a, a new not lineman stepping into center and being as effective as a guy um, who is used to it. Right. So that Harry has kind of been around and it's like, is he going to get beaten out by a new guy that like, it, it, it's a case that I think you definitely could make Steven of like, this is what happens. And you, you were at Harry and you can explain this more, but this is what happens, right? If you're a year two guy, almost nobody plays in year one. Very few guys start in year one, right? If you're a year two guy, especially on the offensive line, and what Harry Miller talked about today reminded me so much of what Billy Price talked about when Billy Price started as a redshirt freshman for a national championship team in 2014 and felt like he was going, he was having a really hard time with it because he was struggling early. He was getting criticized. You are doing things that should only be seen in practice. You're a second year offensive lineman. You Mm -hmm. still don't exactly know what you're doing, but because you are skilled, because you are talented, because maybe not that there's a hole, but there's a spot for you. You get to make your mistakes in front of a hundred thousand people on national TV, instead of making your mistakes in practice, just like everybody else. And it makes you look like you're worse because you're better. And it's not that Harry Miller made more mistakes. He just made them publicly. Everybody else, all the other second-year linemen made those same mistakes. They just weren't good enough to get on the field. So then you get criticized. Then you get forgotten. Then people are down on you. And it's like the whole point is you were so talented. You were probably out there before you should have been. What did Harry have to say about that on Tuesday, Stephen? And what do you think of whatever he said? How does that relate to anybody who wants to drive the bus for him? Yeah, I I think you kind of hit it on the nail there with the idea that he was talented enough to play, but that doesn't mean he should probably have been out there. Doesn't mean he was ready to play. And because you brought up Billy Price and how he maybe was walking around with his head on the swivel a little bit, Harry Miller went through some of those growing pains while also sometimes being thrown into positions that were even worse than that because all of a sudden he's playing center because Josh Myers caught COVID. And so, yeah, he went through growing pains in front of everybody and he learned a lot about himself in that year. He had to deal with, you know, social media critics and he talked a lot about his mental health and how he was dealing with a lot of that stuff. I think the exact quote was, you know, you I found out how mean people can be when you're not playing well, which is exactly what he found out last year when you know, the bad snaps were happening or when he was getting the holding calls against Rutgers and so forth. And so because of a lot of that, he's also maybe ahead of the curve because he does have that extra year of in-game experience, even if he is changing positions. And so I almost picked him for this uh, under the same premise that third year Josh Myers was second team all Big Ten. I I not I wouldn't be surprised if Harry Miller takes that next step and he's a first team all Big Ten guy, former five star as a second year starter. Yeah, so, yeah, I I, I I considered him too, but I actually ended up not voting him for him because I I just feel like his breakthrough is just such common sense. Like it seems like almost a yeah. foregone conclusion to me. And it's one of those things. I don't really think people are that down on him. I don't know that there's any Ohio State fan who thinks like he shouldn't start. Like he wasn't that good last year. He was like the worst offensive lineman last year, but he was also the youngest. So, like, it's okay. And, and I the think worst on a really strong line. Yeah, and no, at no, the no. same time, were you shocked that the second-year guy is the worst offensive no, lineman right. when, right. you That's know, the point. other guys are veterans? 
Basically. No, it's not surprising. It's not right. surprising at all. It wasn't good enough, mm-hmm. but that's as much about the program and their development and Ohio State and what, you know, but he's a five-star guy. I mean, it's just, it's all very normal. You know, the fact that he played, you know, fairly normal. The fact that he didn't play that well, fairly normal. The fact that he got criticized, fairly normal. The fact that, frankly, most people still believe in him going into year three, fairly normal. It's easy for us to say it's we're not the ones getting yelled at. So, like, I get it. I mean, the, the fact that Harry Miller had to, you know, struggle dealing with that, also very normal. G. Scott, another guy who got a vote. Anthony from Finley. I don't necessarily think he'll be conf- competing for the number two tight end spot with Cade Stover this year, but I think we could see some flashes in the limited amount of playing time I think he'll get. I think that is a potentially really good pick down the line. I, I don't know how much it'll happen this year. This was one that I wanted to note because I thought this was a very smart way of, of couching this. It's, it's an offensive guy who got one vote, but it's a defensive guy as well. Driving the bus for the 12s from the 6-1-4, Lathan Ransom and Emeka Igbuka. Ransom, defensive backfield is a need for playmakers, and that's what he is. Igbuka, can the number one receiver recruit really fly under the radar? I feel like he, he has because of Harrison Jr. breaking out during the spring. Olave and Wilson at the top of the depth chart and the depth in the 2020 class. Um, Jackson Smith, the Jigman Fleming. I'll drive the buck, the bus for Emeka. He's going to force his way into the rotation this year and not leave. How about this driving? Egbuka will be the best of the 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022 receivers. Like this great recruiting period, he'll be the best of them by the time it's all said and done. And we will see flashes of that this year. So at the moment, that's being better than Garrett. Right. But I don't I mean, is that impossible? That's a high bar. But we're talking bus driving here. We're not talking about, oh, I think the number one recruit in the country is going to be good. We're talking about the number one recruit in the country is going to be like the best receiver in this five year period of Ohio State. Why, Stephen, you're making faces. Why couldn't the number one recruit in the country be better than Garrett Wilson, who was not who was like the number two or three receiver recruit in the country? I mean, I'm making this really good. Yeah. But, I mean, this guy. What if this guy is some combination of Garrett Wilson and KJ Hill and is like just like an 80, an 80 catch a, a year machine in 2022 and 2023? That's out there, isn't it? So I didn't, I'm just going to, Emeka was mine. That's who I voted for on offense. So that's why I, I'm making that face because I didn't think that far into it. Okay. Maybe I, sh- that's why it's the- like that. He, they gave me a different way of viewing it. I'm thinking that. I won't be surprised if he's third and catches this year because I think he is just going to rotate with Jackson at that slot position. And that, that spot's still going to get the ball. And I just think he might flash a little bit more as a true freshman who, I mean, we've seen him the last couple of practices we went to. He just looks physically ready to be to play a college football. And he kind of looked that way when he got here as well. This That's another step that I didn't even think about and I probably should have, that the idea that, this guy who was the number one receiver in his class and already looks the part might end up being the best of this long lineage that uh, Brian Hartline is creating here. Listen, that's, and that's your choice. We all can, uh, sometimes you want to drive the bus across town and sometimes yeah. you want to drive the bus to Disney world. There's lots of ways to drive a bus. So you don't have to think three years ahead, but if somebody wants to think three years ahead, that's fine. I, I think it's, I think it's a good pick. It's interesting. Like, so like Steven, if you say, if he's your pick, you think he could be third on the team and catches that means he has more catches than Jeremy Ruckert. That means he has more catches than Jackson Smith, the Jigba, the guy who's a year older that he's presumably sharing the spot with. Like that's some bus driving to me. That's like not just like, oh, he'll play. That's some that's some real bus driving if you're if that's part of what you're saying, Stephen. 
Yeah, because he's he's I mean he's a physical slot. I think Jackson's more of the uh, uh, Garrett and Chris are a great uh, great way to measure these guys on which end of the spectrum they fall on. Emeka is a lot more like Garrett would be in the slot, while Jackson is maybe a little bit more like what Chris Olave would be if they were to throw him in the slot. Smooth, reliable hands. While Emeka's in there, he might get explosive. Yep. I mean, it's if it wasn't a long distance to go, you wouldn't be having to drive the bus. It would just be riding the bike. If it's a long distance to cover, you're asking people. But when it goes right, you're the one driving it. And you're picking people up. That's why you've got a bus. My my drop mine is only across town, but we might have 500 people on the bus by the time we get there. That mine is not a stretch. And I want to do this. Let's talk about the offensive line a little more specifically right now. Because we just talked about Harry Miller. I will tell you, nobody drove the bus for Thayer Munford because I don't know. I mean, does everybody not agree that Thayer Munford's great? Nobody drove the bus for Nicholas Petit Frere, which again is that I, I don't I don't know where, unless you're gonna say I think Nicholas Petit Frere is gonna be a first round pick and be an all-American. That's not where anybody went. It is a little more fun to do the under the radar guys, right? But again, as we yeah, said, there's room for everybody. There were three people who drove the bus for Dewan Jones, and at least one of them was sort of like after the news. It was like a late ad, which is fine. I'm not – some of them drove them a little bit earlier. From the 937, Dewan gives me a Pancake Man vibe that I have to pull for. So that was a Dewan Jones bus. From the 440, I thought I might not need to drive it home after the news coming out of camp, but it seems by the Tuesday pod that there is still some Dewan Jones slander. I'm talking to you, Stephen, and again, Stephen was confused by this. I don't know exactly what it references either, but from the 440, I am a huge Dewan Jones fan. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I think he could draw Makai Becton comparisons. And again, that's the guy from Louisville who was a first round pick of the Jets and played very well as a rookie last year in the NFL. Just like a really oversized, like just gifted, interesting package of size and feet and length was what Becton was. From the 614 in light of today's pod and the text that we were sending, about Dewan Jones. I'm driving the bus for Dewan Jones. Since they burned his redshirt as a freshman, I thought he could defy recruiting rankings and make an impact. It sounds like he might do that this year. Nathan, what do you think generally of the idea of people driving the bus for Dewan Jones as we kind of focus on the offensive line for a moment? I guess say he was one of my guesses, and I thought it might have been because of what's happened here in the last few days. But I think in general, he's a guy that people have always been intrigued by in a different way. Like we've talked a lot about Ohio State, you know, recruiting these um, in-state or border state, like 300, 400, 500 level offensive linemen and developing developing them into backups. And maybe one of them hits every four or five years and something happens. I don't think they've ever thought of Dewan Jones quite like that. I think the idea with Dewan Jones was maybe this was diamond in the rough territory from the beginning. And does it, if it ever hits, oh man, is it ever going to like something big? It's going to be like, well, I mean, I guess just from his size, it'll be like a big impact because he's yeah. he's big. It's like the, the size of the meteor hitting the earth. Um, and I, I so I think he's always been a guy that people have been really intrigued by to the point that people we were getting texts in the offseason like, hey, are we are we worried that uh, Dewan Jones is going to transfer? And it's a weird question to ask about a guy in his situation because you weren't really thinking Ohio State was like counting on him to be a major contributor. You know, we thought he might be like their sixth or seventh best offensive lineman for 2021, but at the same time, like not a guy that you think that they would 
it wouldn't be devastating if he did leave. So it's it's a guy that I think this fan base, at least for our, from our texters, there's been a kind of a, a long-term anticipation of what he could be if it ever pans out. And, and, and he's been giving people reason to think that it might be coming because as much as this has been a little bit of a surprise in the last couple of days, as far as him getting that right tackle job, maybe, you know, he, he seemed ahead of schedule as a freshman. We heard intriguing things about him last year. So it's always been kind of like laying back there and wait. And it was just a question of whether or not it was going to pop or win. So, the, I mean, the specific thing about it is like, no, you weren't expecting this year. Cause they have like the, two of the best tackles right. in the country. And it feels right. like he can only play tackle. And he said that when we talked to him on Tuesday, that like he did play some guard last year. Cause that's what the team needed him to do. But like, he is just much more comfortable at tackle. He's, I guess he's listed at six, eight. He said he's maybe more like six, nine and like mm-hmm. three sixty something. Like he is really big. And so the idea of like, well, he probably only plays tackle and you have two tackles was a very logical thing. But I do think if you would have said to us, like, Right now, say none of this stuff happened. Right now, who are the starting tackles in 2022 for Ohio State? I think we all would have said Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones. Because like Thayer Munford and Nicholas Petit Fair probably won't be here. Munford definitely won't be. Like, and who else would it be? Right? So I think all that, it's just, and, and again, he was so raw. And he was saying today, like, he only started loving football kind of recently. That he didn't love football when he got here. And we, we see that with guys. He's just such a physical specimen. He was honest. He said, I had Mac basketball offers and I had big 10 football offers. So like, what do you think I'm supposed to do? Go with my love. I mean, I'm going to the big 10 to play football. So that's what he did. And then Stradrow was saying he, he needed to get a little more mature attention to detail, get the body in shape, all that stuff, but it's happening. And so as we think about this, this is our offensive line discussion about this. We covered it a lot on the, on the Tuesday pod and you go back and listen to that. We want, we said, Hey, we're going to learn more when we're at practice Tuesday, when we get to talk to Greg Stoudrawa and we talked to nine offensive linemen. It was unbelievable. Great interview session. But I think Nathan, most of what we learned confirmed what we thought yesterday, which is Stoudrawa said, this is more about Dwan Jones popping and what, but what's he going to say? Oh, uh, we were desperate. You know, I mean, he's not going to say that. But if Matthew Jones or Josh Fryer or Donovan Jackson as a true freshman had popped at guard, that probably would have been the first answer. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered how much Dewan Jones popped. But Dewan Jones, he says, is like forcing his way on the field. So once he forces his way on the field, now you got to shuffle stuff. Petit Freer goes to left tackle. Munford goes from left tackle to left guard. And away we go. It Basically, it seems like their six best offensive linemen possibly are two centers and four tackles. And so now you got to do something, right? Something's got to give, right? I did, by the way, my very first question to Luke Whipler today was, I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. It's Whipler. And he was like, yes, like a whip. It's Whipler. So, Chris okay. Trudrawa said Wipler. He did say Wipler too. I, I know. And that's why. And I said, like, I said to Luke Whipple, like, I'm sorry. That's what I thought. But we've been led astray at some moments. And we just want to get it right from his mouth, Luke Whippler. So this is where we are. It feels real to me. If you said to me right now, what do you think the starting offensive line will be against Minnesota? This is what I would guess it would be. I wouldn't say, well, no, I think they'll move Petit Fair back to right tackle, move Munford back to left tackle, and it'll be Matthew Jones. Like, 
Uh, it just doesn't feel like that right now, Nathan. That's all anybody wants to know. They want to know two things. What's the starting offensive line going to be? And do we think it's going to be good enough? That's what I think the starting offensive line is going to be. And like, is it good enough? Probably. And I guess you have to leave open the idea of like, well, I don't know how good Dewan Jones is, but, and there is the idea of if, he, would you rather your fifth best lineman be your right tackle or your left guard, except, you know, Harry Miller was their fifth best offensive lineman and he was the left guard last year and it caused some problems sometimes. So we can't pretend that like you can just hide a guard. If he's the best guy, I get it. I'm surprised by it. I'm not shocked by it. It feels real and it feels like a possible answer. And there is definitely an upside to it. Like the upside of it is maybe pretty crazy. It's kind of bonkers. Yeah. What do you think, Nathan? So to go back to something you said before, the, 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 the Dewan Jones as a guard thing, like that always I thought was like a fun wrinkle, like an emergency situation. I never thought that that was really going to ever come to fruition, but I thought it was a good sign of whether or not he actually would pop and be a starting tackle here someday because it told me that he probably had the athleticism to do it. Like there's another conversation today where Greg Studrava was talking about how difficult it is for Paris Johnson to adjust down to the pad level and the leverage that you have to get playing guard from tackle at his size. And now you're talking about Dewan Jones, who Paris Johnson talks about, like he, he talks about him with the same wonder that we do almost as far as just his sheer size. Like he was talking about how he makes, he holds a Gatorade bottle and it looks like just a, a tiny little like juice thing, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's, it, 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 even the guys on even the other guys on the team who their whole life have been marveled at for being the hugest people around. Maybe that was Enoch Vamahi that used that example. I can't remember, but multiple guys were talking about how massive he is. So the fact that he could do that even in stretches, even for a snap or two, even in practice, told me that he probably has what it takes to stick at tackle and be what they need him to be at tackle. I tried to ask today, Nicholas Petit Frere. I'm like, okay, I know Dewan Jones is huge. I know he's he's got the size. Does he have the other things necessary to stop the pass rush you guys are going to see early on? And he said yes, that he's got the 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 quickness, the footwork, those sorts of things. And that's, I guess, where his basketball background is probably going to come in and be beneficial to him. But that he has the mobility that's going to be necessary on top of just being long. Because being long is going to be good enough against a lot of this Big Ten um schedule i don't know if it's gonna be long enough against Kayvon thibodeau being long without technique probably leads to a lot of holding penalties and they're saying that they think that he has that that he is displaying that and that's where the things that we're hearing about his discipline his commitment the way that he is maybe taking film work more seriously i think those are the things that are being transferred onto the practice field now and are sort of causing this chain reaction steven what do you think does this feel real to you and if it does do you think it's good enough yeah, I'd, I'd say it feel real, real just because of what you said about when you talked to Josh Fryer about it, him kind of being, you know, not surprised if he's not in the mix to be a starter. And at this, yeah, it, it does feel real. But they, the, the way he talked about it, we asked Greg Strudel with 30 different ways, why is this happening? I even kind of followed up with the part of the reason you wanted to keep MPF and there where they were is because you have a young quarterback and you want veteran tackles when you have a young quarterback. And he, emphasize time and time again that Dewan Jones is coming along. So yeah, at this point, I think it's real. Um, if it's good enough, I'll be optimistic and say, yeah, I, I, I think it'll be, I, I don't think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to abuse him. I, I think it's good enough that he won't get abused. Now will Kayvon Thibodeau get one or two sacks when, on September 2nd? Probably, but I don't think he'll have a Chase Young type day. I think it's, it's good enough to keep him from doing that. So it's like 
five points I want to make about this. And most of them are related to why I think it does feel real. One is Josh Fryer started off camp at guard battling Matthew Jones, and now he's a tackle. So he's been shifted to tackle. He's the backup right tackle right now. And I talked to Josh Fryer for a while and it's not like Josh Fryer is giving up, but Josh Fryer knows he's got plenty of time. And I, I was saying you have plenty of time. You're a second year guy. Of course, you'd like to start right now, but you know, there's time there for you. Right. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll put me in when I'm ready. It's not, I don't want to make anyone sound like Josh Fryer doesn't think he's ready, but it's just like, if you thought Josh Fryer was still very, very, very possibly the answer at guard, I don't think he'd be your backup right tackle right now. The second thing is I asked Luke Whipler, have you taken any snaps at guard? And he said, no, he's only playing center. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they want Harry to be the center. So if neither of them are really playing guard, then it's like, okay, well then what are you going to do? Like, not that we thought Whipler was going to play guard, but the answer there would have to be, we kind of want Harry to be the center, but, Whipler's going to be the center and Harry's going to play guard because that's our best five, right? We always thought that was a possibility. Did, did Steven, did Harry say anything about like, is he playing any guard at the moment right now? All center. All center. Okay. So you have two centers who are only playing center. Matthew Jones is the second team left guard right now behind Thayer Munford, the way they lined up. Let's not read too much into this, but he was the one offensive lineman we didn't talk to today perhaps because he thought he was going to be a starter. And at the moment he's not lining up with the ones it feels like they have wanted. He had the first shot to win this. He played last year, right? He's a fourth year guy. He was a highly rated recruit. He was kind of first man up to win this job. And if he's not winning it, is this like a motivational thing or whatever? It's like, they are moving a lot of guys around to motivate Matthew Jones. If that's the actual plan, I don't think that's a plan. I think they're now down the road with this starting offensive line. And if Dewan Jones isn't good enough and is a real problem, then they'll have to adjust. But I don't think this is fake. I don't think this is testing. I think this is what they think it's going to be because they did test something else for the first three or four days of practice and they didn't love it. So the thing at the moment, the last thing I'll say that this is not specifically related to the battle. Dewan Jones possibly at the moment reminds me of Isaiah Prince a little bit, which is like a good thing and a not great thing. Isaiah Prince was a real tall, athletic, big, interesting guy who really took until his last year as a senior to really get it. He got thrown in much earlier. Ohio State fans will remember some penalty issues, that kind of thing. Um, That's a little bit where my head is with Dewan Jones, Isaiah Prince wound up being like a captain, I think as a senior and like was a draft pick and like was not, was a solid college player. Eventually had some kind of serious bumps, right? JB Shugarts was a tackle who was big and long and tall and athletic. And everybody remembers JP, JD. I can't think of it. JB Shugarts false starting all the time, right? Like I'm a little bit there with early Dewan Jones, big athletic guys who are still a little raw. So I'm not saying it, it doesn't, it won't work, but I think that if you're driving the bus for Dewan, you have to realize you're going to hit some potholes here. And I think that's all very reasonable, but I do think Nathan, I do think if I had to bet right now, that's what I would bet on because that's what they're doing. And we obviously based our kind of projections and our assumptions on things we actually saw last year, such as Matthew Jones getting starts late in the year. But what's the thing to remember there? 
Matthew Jones is a guard and a center. He was subbing in for Harry Miller, who's a guard and a center. And I think if you had pulled the Ohio State coaches aside and had a truthful moment with them, if they had said, well, that's what has to happen here. But in actuality, we would actually say DeWan Jones is maybe ahead of him on the top to bottom pound for pound offensive line depth chart. That wouldn't have floored me. I thought we had some indications right. of that kind of thing, too. So some of this, it's one of those things where, like, now as you start to kind of reverse, um, what's the what's the, what's the the term? like Reverse engineer? or Reverse yeah. engineer it. You start to, like, trace it back, trace back the steps. So a lot of it, it makes more sense the more you think about it, to me. I think I think this is this could very well be what it looks like because I mostly because I agree with what you're saying that this would seem to be because I had kind of thrown out the idea the idea of maybe this is a motivational tactic, but this would be so many motivational tactics that you're so many plates you're spinning just to try to get the most out of one player really on the offensive line that I, that seems far fetched. It's like hey PFF ranks Thayer Munford as the best tackle in college football. Why is he playing guard? Oh, we're just trying to motivate Matt Jones. Oh. Uh, Okay, can you be done with that soon? So the best tackle in college football can play tackle. It's like that's not what that's not what they're doing. They're doing it because they think it's the best way to get the best five offensive linemen on the field. I will say, in the end, I was very much in on the idea of moving Thayer Munford to guard. I just thought they would be doing it for Paris Johnson. Let's do two things real quick before we take a break. One thing I want to note is all five running backs got at least one bus vote. Marcus Crowley and Evan Pryor each got one. That means the other three guys got more than one. That is of note. And when we come back, I will give you the guy that I'm driving the bus for who got zero votes as far as my tallies have found. Next on Buckeye Talk. All right, we'll pick up the pace a little bit here. And a couple late votes, Chase Richardson, I see in there. A couple more votes coming in for Dewan Jones. I'm driving the bus for Paris Johnson. And nobody else is. And I think, oh, Nathan has raised his hand. I think he might be their best tackle, but he's sort of fourth in line for the chance to play tackle because two other guys did it last year and one other guy's going to do it this year. And it's not because he's not good enough, but it's because he's like versatile enough or whatever. And, and there is a guy, it's just, it's just fascinating to me. And, and this is how it works at Ohio State. There's a guy named Blake Fisher, who we talked about Notre Dame on the uh, on the college football playoff pod this week. Should Notre Dame join our college football playoff discussion? That'll be out on Wednesday. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the college football playoff show feed. There's a guy named Blake Fisher who was like a four-star, like he's like the 65th or something best recruit in this class. He's a true freshman at Notre Dame, and he might be the left tackle at Notre Dame. Cause like they don't, they have some holes on the offensive line. They've like two guys back that they know about. They got to transfer from Marshall. Who's probably going to start, He's but really they're kind of searching for it a little bit. So it's like, Hey, Notre Dame, they're kind of right at the edge of the playoff. They were in the playoff last year and they got a tackle. Who's like the 65th best player in the country. And they might start him in year one. Ohio state has a tackle who was like the 10th best player in the country. He's in year two and he cannot get a shot at tackle. He cannot get there. Now, he had a shot last year, and Nicholas Petit-Fair beat him out. I think Paris Johnson has a chance to be an All-American. I think Paris Johnson is sacrificing for this team without complaining about it. Paris Johnson said in the spring he was still thinking of himself as an athletic tackle who was playing guard 
And he says, now this camp, I'm thinking of myself as a guard. And he has tried to make that transition mentally. And he said, when I came to Ohio State, I never thought I'd play anything but tackle. He said, I thought I'd play left tackle, maybe right tackle. And now he's a sophomore who's going to be the right guard next to a guy who was a thousand spots lower in the recruiting ratings than Paris Johnson, but who's going to get to play tackle because that guy can't play guard. Is Dewan Jones a better tackle than Paris Johnson? No, of course not. But Paris Johnson's a better guard than Dewan Jones. That's not Dewan Jones' fault. It's just Dewan Jones like two inches taller than Paris and 30 pounds heavier. So that is, it's not crazy, but I, it deserves to be noted. And meanwhile, Greg Stoudrawa said all Paris Johnson does is destroy people in practice. So he's playing out of position kind of because he's too good. He already got blocked by the sixth-year senior. Now he's getting blocked by the third-year basketball guy. And it's like, dude, what do I have to do? And I asked him, we had a very nice conversation on Tuesday about all of that. And he knows it. He knows. He's not complaining. But this is not the plan. But sometimes you don't get to do your plan because the team has another plan. So I will drive the bus for a guy who is a five-star recruit, is the best tackle recruit at Ohio State since Orlando Pace, and who is not allowed to play tackle. And he said, like, I can't wait until next year when I get to play tackle. Because we all know it's going to happen. He knows it's going to happen. But for this year, yeah, show me the two guys who are going to (laughs) keep Harris Johnson. It's like, oh, well, you know. Acid rain came through and canceled the game. So the NCAA said, oh, nobody's eligibility counts again. And Thayer's like, I'll be back. Like, it's not going to happen. And that's not a shot at Thayer. Thayer, Thayer is an amazing story. And Thayer Munford's sacrificing because he's, again, maybe the best tackle in college football who's playing guard. Everybody said, actually, Petit Frere's not sacrificing. He's like, woo. He's winning in this. Yeah. So it's like Dewan Jones here, and Petit Frere are like, woo. And Thayer Munford and Paris Johnson are like, okay. And they're doing it. They're not, I mean, like they're doing what the team needs to do. But I will drive that bus happily for Paris Johnson. I think he could be an All-American guard this year and an All-American tackle next year. Nathan, is that also your offensive guy? I was going back and forth on two guys, but I landed on Paris. And it's because, partially because of some of the terminology you just used. Like, he's not blocked by Dewan Jones if Dewan Jones ends up being the right tackle. I think he might be a better right tackle than Dewan Jones is right now. But well, I don't, I don't think there's, there's any might about it. I, right. I, I don't think but, there's any might. But, but I don't know. I don't believe there's anybody on this. There might not be anybody on this roster who's a better guard than Paris Johnson. That's what I think we're not talking about enough. We've, we've spent so much time talking about, well, what if, you know, what does it do to Paris Johnson if Thayer Mumford comes back and he has to play guard or if he, or, or if he just can't play right tackle or if he can't play tackle at all or what now what does it mean to him now that he's getting pinched there and i'm like what does it mean for paris johnson if he goes out and does what you just said if he goes out and is an all-american as a guard and then moves to left tackle next year like there's no way that doesn't make him that isn't better for him in the long run and isn't better for ohio state i don't i i can't understand why that isn't better so i think we just haven't people aren't talking enough about the upside of Paris Johnson going out like multiple times today, Greg Stradawa used the terminology. He's destroying people like to multiple questions. That was his answer. Paris Johnson is destroying people. And at the same time, and that's, and that's within a few minutes of having said, 
hey, if, if our guys can block this defensive line, they can block anybody. So that's the guys he's destroying, the guys that he thinks that if if he is pressure tested his offensive line against this defensive line, that they're that they're they can hold up against anybody. Those are the same guys that Paris Johnson is apparently destroying by Greg Strudawa's terminology. So I just it, it kind of over the course of today and all the conversations we had today, that kind of started to grow on me a little bit more that we aren't maybe talking enough about how special Paris Johnson might be as a guard this year, regardless of what he plays next year and how soon he ever gets to play tackle here. So the thing is, I do not buy, I, I will not abide the idea that somehow this is better for Paris Johnson because it's not. Thayer is probably a guard in the NFL. Just sort of his size, what he does. I do think Thayer's a little shorter. I do think Thayer Munford's probably a guard. So it's like, all right, well, he's a really good tackle, really good. But all the versatility stuff, and listen, when you slide a tackle to guard, you tackle, you talk versatility. I mean, what, what are you going to do? We're going to call it a demotion? Oh, he's being demoted to guard. But tackle's the money spot, man. Ask, go compare how much guards get paid versus how much tackles get paid in the NFL. So that's why you want to play tackle. It's like C.J. Stroud might be a great H-back. He doesn't want to be the H-back. He wants to be the quarterback. So it's not it is- better. It, it might be better for Thayer. It's not better for Paris. I think Paris is a tackle. Paris is a tackle in the NFL. So, yes, theoretically, but, like, he's not going to get drafted as a maybe guard. He's going to get drafted as a tackle. So playing tackle would be better for him. Is it better for Ohio State? Of course. That's why they're doing it. But it is a sacrifice for him. I I don't think you can spin this is better for him. He is good enough to be a starting offensive tackle for a national championship contender right now. And he's kind of getting the short end of the stick because the pandemic gave Thayer Munford an extra year of eligibility. And because this the, the deficiency at guard and the guy who can play tackle is three inches taller than him and has to play tackle. And Paris just has to suck it up. So I just don't I don't. I don't think it's fair to try to spin a positive for Paris Johnson. He is sucking it up. He is sucking it up for the team. He's not complaining. I am complaining on his behalf. He's not complaining. But let's not pretend it's not a sacrifice. It is. I think it's a sacrifice, but I think some of your complaining is 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 preemptive. And it's it's number one, I think if Paris Johnson goes out and is an all-American tackle next year as a third-year player. I don't think that's going to affect his long-term earnings in the NFL. I think he's going to be fine. Secondly, on top of that, and I don't want to get too idealistic. We don't, I think we do a good job of staying away from that and getting into all of the, the coach speak and the, the, the athlete speak, Lottie dot stuff. But I think if you look back at the end of this year, if Ohio state wins a national championship and the only way that would have happened is if Paris Johnson had played guard, Paris Johnson is going to say that was better for him. I mean, wh- whatever, whatever. He's doing what's best for the team. It's better for him to play the position he's going to play in the NFL as soon as possible. And it's what he wants to play. So he is sacrificing, If but he's doing what the team needs him to do, and he knows this. So your point is, yes, I mean, like they need him to play guard because the way the pieces fit together. So he's going to play guard, and I think he'll be an all – I think he has a very good chance to be an All-American. So I'm in the end, but I just want to make sure he gets the credit. I don't. It's not a secret I, I good – Yes, it's it's yes. it's not a secret good thing for him. It's he's sucking it up. Credit to Paris Johnson for that. All right, we got to pick it up a little bit. I, I I love I love the bus. I love I'm not eh, buses are okay. Not buses are okay because you can you can relax, listen to podcasts. But I like talking about the bus. Guys who got two votes: Cade Stover, Jack Miller, Jeremy Rucker. So let me read a couple um, notes from the texters here. 
about some of those guys. Sorry, I'm obviously stalling. Jeremy Rucker, two votes from the 3-3-0. Ruck, I've loved the guy since the one-handed catch. Guy has the skills to ball out. Would love to see him go in the first round next year. I think that is like if you think Jeremy Rucker is going to turn into a first-round tight end, you are you are driving the bus for him. Uh, Cade Stover, people were a little, a little more brief on that. Jack Miller, I think, is interesting from the 4-4-0. Maybe it's because I live in Arizona, but I really want to see Jack Miller succeed. Many players drop out um, after, you know, and transfer after they get recruited over, which is not, not transfer, but just drop, decommit. That's what the texture means. A lot of guys decommit when they get recruited over like he did with Stroud. And that's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. I do not think he will be the starter, and I want whoever is the best to start. He's probably too good for this, but I hope there is a Kenny Guyton future for him or maybe Joe Burrow light if he transfers later on. A little soft spot here for Miller. What do you think of that take, Stephen, of like, hey, you know, I'm not saying I'm driving the bus for Jack Miller because I think he's going to win the starting job, but like I'm driving the bus because I think this guy has a chance to sort of like help some way sometime. I mean, I think a good thing that if you were going to drive the bus for Jack Miller, it's saying that he's the Mac Jones of this room where maybe he's the guy – it, and after all this works out, if you need a year or he's just still on the roster and he's clearly ready to, you've got a true freshman, you don't want to start, you start this guy, maybe it helps you win a national title because he's such a veteran. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with rooting for a kid, even if you know that kid's not going to be your starting quarterback this season. All right, so Miller, Stover, and Ruckert each got two, three votes, and actually Dewan's up to four now because a late one came in. Jackson Smith, the Jigba got three from the 303 area code. I think Jackson Smith, the Jigba may lead the team in receptions. That is some bus driving, Nathan. Nathan, that is young quarterback leans on slot routes. Ohio State's offense is geared to get the slot receiver involved. I, I don't actually see the path for it, but that would be quite a thing if Jackson Smith the Jig actually leaves this team interceptions. Yeah, I guess it would just be like thinking this reverts to a more conventional Ohio State season, and conventionally the slot guy leads Ohio State in receptions. So I, I, I understand, I guess, where they're coming. I just, I guess, I don't see too much of a departure from the target distribution that we saw last year, which heavily, heavily, heavily goes to Olave and Wilson. I know it's a new quarterback. I know that the um, the way that the season breaks down is different. But uh, I still think that Olave and Wilson dominate targets. I, I meant to say this in the offensive line discussion from the 614. This is uh, an, a nickname. Tim May asked Greg Stoudrawa if he had a nickname for the offensive line yet. And Greg Stoudrawa said, no, I should get one, right? Didn't I? I think that's what he said. And uh, this is from the 614. Can we nickname this crew, meaning the offensive line, Munford and Block Out the Suns? And they have block out the in parentheses and then sons with the U like Munford and sons. Cause they're so tall. We, are we there with that? Yeah, Munford yeah. and sons. Do they, they have yeah, like, an, they, they have like an accordion. They have a guy who plays the spoon, right? Like a washboard. Me and you, you like, fishing in the dark, fishing in the dark. These, these in the sound dark. like a bunch of instruments that Harry Miller would play. What is Munford and Sons, right? Munford and Sons, they're British. They have a guy, they have a guy who's like whistling on a on like a, a gallon jug that has X's on it. Right? No? Well, they're not ding, an actual ding, jug ding, band. Ding, ding, they ding. Just, they're they're not a like, jug band? No, they're just kind of like they're a They're British? Yeah. Would Munford and Sons be on Hee Haw? No? 
No, 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 no. First of all, Hee Haw was off the air for like 30 years before Munford and Sons' first album came out. I've never heard of this show before. In my life. I don't know what Munford and Sons is. I don't know what Munford and Sons is. I love Hee Haw, though. The biggest <laughs> non-upset of the year, Stephen not knowing what Hee Haw was. Ken Sayer Munford played the banjo. Uh, so that was the Munford and Sons thing. Okay, we're getting into some higher vote totals for the offense. Let me ask you this quickly as we're getting in on this. We have the uh, Master Teague, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams are all coming up. Steven, of those three running backs, who got the most bus votes? Mayan Williams because of how people, how people have been voting so far gives me a trend of how they're actually using the drive the bus. And so Mayan Williams probably got the most vote because people are doubting him because of his low ranking. Nathan, who do you think they're driving the bus for in the running back room? You agree, Mayan, or no? Um, you know, I, I guessed Mayan before, so I'll stick with that. All right. Let's see what the reveal is. Six votes for Master Teague. Six votes for Master Teague. 937. He's a physical monster, fast and strong, and a tremendous person. Love Mayan and Henderson, I think, is the real deal, but I think there is plenty of time for them. Meaning, like, let's, let's let this year uh, be the year for Master Teague, who's older. From the 419 driving the bus for Master Teague, the way everyone is talking, I might be alone here, but I think it might be too soon to dismiss him. Last year was insane, and I feel like we forget he tore his Achilles and was rehabbing during the COVID restrictions. We all know his lack of wiggle is is his downfall, but if he had even 20% more of that with all his freaky numbers, he could make life hell for any team trying to stop him. Seriously, the man has baby heads in his biceps. That's a good line. I think a full offseason of working on agility and his experience will get him to finally stretch his ceiling a little further. All this coming from a meatball fanboy. So this is confusing to me. There was a meatball reference to Master Teague and also a meatball reference to Mayan Williams during this bus text discussion. So we have to sort that out. Who's the real meatball? Todd Mayan Mich- Williams, because they actually call him meatball. Yeah. So I think, I, yeah, Master Teague, I don't think can take the meatball. Maybe he can be yeah, a Swedish meatball. From the 586 on the bus for Master Teague, I'm excited for Henderson. I hope he breaks through and even starts by the end of the year. Teague was awesome off the bench, backing up JK in 2019. But we're going to need Teague until then. And I'm worried about Henderson's ability to pass protect. We're going to need Master Teague, and he's going to be second team all Big Ten on the bus and marking it down because it's Monday, baby. That's Todd from Michigan who sent it in on a Monday. Nathan, what do you think of the cases to drive the bus for Master Teague? Teague was my other candidate. He was the one that I almost picked. Really? And for, first of all, he's he's definitely not a meatball. He's like a side of beef. Like he is the whole the whole thing. Like he's Ain't not. No. <laughs> no. Uh, and again, I think he's just a guy that. And this, I think, some of what our texters have heard from us. And, and and the 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 response they give to us is that we are like anti Mayan Williams. I'm not really anti Mayan Williams. I think I'm just more pro Master Teague as the s- second option. Um, and I, I I don't think enough respect is maybe given to what he has done for this team the last couple of years. And I think that was probably exasperated by what Trey Sermon did. Now, did Trey Sermon give them something Master Teague was not giving them before? Yes, but did Master Teague stepping up when Trey Sermon didn't help them get through the large part of last season? Yes, it did. Um, and so while I think there, I understand what people are, uh, why, why fans pump the brakes on him a little bit because of maybe some limitations he has as a runner compared to the great runners in Ohio State history. 
I think maybe not enough respect is given to what he has been for Ohio State. I mean, if you're asking him to be the backup running back, I think he could be that. I just don't think he's a national championship winning number one running back. And I think like we have like kind of proof of that. So, um, and I don't think Mayan Williams is either, which is why I, I would drive the bus for Trayvon Henderson. Let's go to Henderson. We don't have time to have everybody comment on everybody because we have so much to get through. Teague got six bus votes. Henderson got eight. 614, it's our guy, uh, Smokey Mango. Oh, Smoke. You can put whoever you want in for the first snap of each game and call them the starter out of respect or seniority or whatever. One back will lead this team in yards, attempts, and touchdowns, and my money is on the five-star freak of nature as Steven nods along. Love it. From the 202s, Trayvon Henderson, I know there's been some hype around him, but I think he will far exceed what people think he will be for the season. I think by the end of the year, he will be a cheat code for this offense. I see a Marshall Falk, Reggie Bush style player in this offense with the other battering Rams providing great change of pace. Another one on Travion Henderson from the four, two, three it's Travion Henderson. For me, I know a lot of people believe in him and think he'll be really good, but I am a firm believer that he could be one of the best running backs in Ohio state history. When it's all said and done kid has the it factor and runs like a man possessed. I think he will be starting early and getting the bulk of the carries too. So excited to watch the man ball. One more on Henderson from the 561. It's our guy, Ron, in Jupiter, Florida. I know many think he's going to be really good already, so no shocking news here, but I think he might become the best Ohio State back of all time if he's healthy. Never seen the length and depth of a highlight reel like that in my life. Steven, are you vibing with what people are saying about Travion Henderson? That dude averaged a first time first down every time he touched the ball in high school. And I understand he's moving up a level, but every time we've watched practice and I've just peeped at him, a lot of that is translating over, even if they couldn't tackle him until what until Tuesday. Yeah, I'm all for if you're gonna drive the bus, drive it hard and drive it fast and don't even worry about those brakes. And that's how you should be approaching Javion Henderson if you want to get on that bus. Mayan Williams got 10 votes. So in the main running back bus category, Mayan Williams, 10, Travion Henderson, eight, Master Teague, six. Mayan Williams from the 614. Mayan Williams, dude, is a baller and will be the best running back on the roster. Interesting. Wow. From the 614. If you had asked the question last month, I would have quickly responded Mayan Williams, but he doesn't seem like a dark horse anymore. That said, I'm still driving that bus the meatball express, if you will. So that is a proper use of the word meatball there, right? From the 386, driving the bus for Mayan Williams, always gravitate to players with unique qualities. I thought he should have gotten a lot of time early last year as both Teague and Sermon struggled hitting the hole. Mine is just different, small but big, slow but quick with patience and vision. Great high school production as a fat boy. What can he do as a chiseled rhino? That is some good writing in a text. I, it's one of those things. It's like, hey, somebody texted us from their phone, and they write better with their thumbs on their phone than I write in real life. That is great high school production as a fat boy. What can he do as a chiseled rhino? My God, put that on it. Put that headline on a story from fat boy to chiseled rhino. Nathan, are people – and listen, we're asking you to drive a bus. Again, we're not asking you to walk your bicycle. Is it, are people stretching? for Mayan Williams, or do you think it's possible? Well, I think it's just a matter of how much you're willing to buy into what was a very short sample size last year. Well, when we looked at it the other day, what was it like 
14 snaps, something like that, that he actually yeah. played yeah. All, yeah. Se- all season. Not 14 snaps against Clemson. Not 14 snaps in the playoffs. Not 14, 14 carries. Snaps. Not 14 carries. 14 snaps. Yeah. 14 snaps. <laughs> and one was like one good run in the Big Ten Championship game and then the three times he carried the ball against Clemson. So people are – I understand why people – maybe because of that context, the, the time and place – gave them additional reasons to be excited about that. I don't, I'm not trying to disparage that. I'm just saying that I'm not ready to walk out on a 14 carry limb yet. I need there to be a more substantial limb before I am driving my bus out on that limb to really mix up all the metaphors. I applaud what he did against Clemson, but right now it's turning very master Teague ish in 2019 where we thought it was impressive. He was third team, all big 10. And then you realize, Oh wait, it's against tired first string units and against second and third stringers. And we found that out in the Clemson game when he wasn't able to do anything. The two things I look for in a back is, can you find the hole? Can you identify the hole, hit the hole? And then once you get through it, can you make a guy miss or run through a tackle? Like you have to get something on your own. If you're only hitting a hole, that's not enough. And if you have the ability to like maybe break some tackles in the second level, but you can't get there because you keep running up the back of your offensive lineman, that's a problem. I just am uncertain at this point about the ability to get yards on their own consistently uh, from both Maya Williams and Master Teague. If I was going to pick, Stephen, if you were going to pick of the three running backs, who would you drive the bus for? It'd be Trevion, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's I'd me too. Be, I'd rather be wrong about him being Ezekiel Elliott 2.0 as J.K. Dobbins as a freshman than to be you know wrong about a, a Mayan Williams where you think he'll be just okay and he ends up not even being anywhere close. Yeah, I would drive it for Travion too. Nathan, you would drive it for Master T. Of the uh, three. Well, of the three, yeah, that was yeah. the one I was leaning to, but more, it was more like a, a respect thing than like a what is he going to do this year thing. I mean, I do think it's possible. It's one of these things. You're, people are going to look back and be like, I can't believe I was driving the bus for that guy. Like, I drove the bus for a guy like who never played. And I'm not saying that about my ones. I'm saying when you have 40 guys getting votes, people are going to be wrong. And there are also going to be people that are going to be like, man, I nailed it. And I, and I think it's possible that, like, in the second half of the year, Trayvon Henderson is going to be averaging, like, 160 yards per game on the ground. And people are going to be like, remember when we thought we didn't know who the running back was going to be this year? Like, I, that's really possible. And we're going to laugh to ourselves about, oh, yeah, we thought it was, a, like, a three-way split. I mean, yeah, I bet if we had done this in the spring, there probably would have been people who were riding the bus, driving the bus for Jamison Williams. Like, this, this stuff yeah, can change Yeah, no, fast. for sure. No, right, right, right. Absolutely. Um, okay, so – Step, I wanted to keep the running backs together. Step back a little bit. Mayan was at 10, Henderson at eight, also at eight, Kyle McCord. So when we said, who are the people that got at least eight votes? Mayan Williams, great pick by Nathan. That was correct. Kyle McCord, great pick by Steven. That was correct. Those are the first two picks in our draft of who got at least eight votes. You guys were both right on that. You had a good sense of what the texters are thinking Let's see what they said about Kyle McCord from the 904. I think Kyle McCord wins the job the second half of the Oregon game. It'll be so close in camp that Stroud will win it just by being in the program a year longer with a semi-decent game one and a bad first half against Oregon. Kyle McCord starts the second half and wins the game and is the starter from that game on from the 904. 904, if you are listening, remember this. And if this happens, you get to come on the pod. All right, I, 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 I'm deleting it off my computer for the moment because I don't have any space. That's quite a prediction. I love it. 
Our guy Khaled from the 858 driving the bus for a surprisingly unsung hero in Kyle McCord. Doug is riding on the Quinn Ewers train. Again, we're, we're mixing islands and trains and buses and mopeds and limousines. The rest of the Ohio State beat is all set on C.J. Stroud, but there is something about McCord that has me a believer. He hasn't thrown a pass outside of spring ball, and his high school tape could be deceiving, but it might be the Joe Burrow syndrome that's haunting me. But I really hope we don't lose him if he doesn't win the job this year. He likes C.J. too, but he's just really driving the bus from McCord, and Kyle's a good fan. He knows what's up. From the 419, it seems pointless now because of viewers, but I was such a massive Kyle McCord believer. It seemed like a no-brainer to try to get him on the field as early as he could handle it. I, I wouldn't say that it's that yours makes it irrelevant. Steven, what do you think of the idea? You guys, you, you picked it, Steven. Why did you think people would drive the bus for Kyle McCord? And is it a good pick? It is. I, mean, I think because Quinn's not here yet. Kyle's the most get, naturally gifted quarterback in that room. He has the best arm and he put that on full display in the spring game. And even today when they were watching, they were doing some deep ball stuff. So it, uh, if you're the argument for why you would drive the bus for Kyle McCord is the only reason he's behind is because he's younger than CJ Stroud. So if they were the same age and had been here the same amount of time, Kyle, this would be Kyle McCord's job. So any opening window that CJ might allow for Kyle to creep through, he's going to creep through. All right. The number one offensive guy was Julian Fleming. We didn't make you guess that because I told the texters, Nathan, that Julian Fleming was the number one bus vote getter overall. Makes sense or no? Yeah, I think it makes total sense. It's a guy that came in with, with with high expectations and a guy who didn't really like fail uh, his first time through. I mean, he was a true freshman. We knew that he was going to be a little bit behind coming where he came from. And I think people now, it's also one of those things where he gets a little bit out of sight, out of mind. Now Jackson Smith and Jigba jumps up and he's a guy that's being invited into the starting lineup. And now it's like, whoa, wait a second. What, don't forget about this guy. And I, that, it, He's almost like the the textbook uh, driving the bus for guy because it's just one of those guys where you know that the talent's there and you want to be the one who's reminding people that it's coming. From the 614, I'm driving the bus through a brick wall for Julian Fleming. He was a mega recruit who seemed to deal with injuries last year. When Olave was out in the Big Ten Championship game, it looked like Fleming could have a big game, but the passing game got bogged down and the game became a slog. Olave and Wilson are obviously awesome, but JSN, Ekbuka, and Harrison are all getting the hype. I think people are sleeping on Fleming and if healthy, he will kick major butt and finish third in receiving yards on the team. If that's a good bus case from the six one four, I feel like Julian Fleming has been the most overlooked player for his talent level. It seems that many people quickly moved on to the other younger receivers very quickly. And he seems to be somewhat of an afterthought. I believe he will clearly separate himself as a third or fourth best receiver on the team. This season it will become the clear first option outside Next year, these are good cases. You can't, it's hard to argue the cases. Evan in Oregon, our guy. This roster is so talented, it feels odd to drive the bus for anyone. That said, I'm doing Julian Fleming. I feel this guy has already been passed by some crazy by some fans. A crazy 2020 season and a weird Big Ten championship performance seem to dull expectations. But my expectations are still high, even in a crowded room. Um, he started this kind of crazy re, uh, receiver recruiting run and there's a big season ahead. AJ from the 815, Julian Fleming is a talented kid who came from a system in high school where running the football was the priority with a healthy shoulder and full spring and summer under his belt. I think we really could see this kid show out in the opportunities he was given this year. And from the 610, 
Julian Fleming, two exclamation points. As a resident of Eastern Pennsylvania, I've seen how dominant an athlete Fleming is. And I don't think the comments in the spring were just coaches blowing smoke. He's obviously not going to lead the team in receiving, but he's going to be a problem when he comes in the game. And we'll have enough big plays to take pressure off Olave and Wilson and get himself on the radar as an elite guy headed into 2022. I think that is a good way to drive a bus, Steven, but still have reasonable expectations. It's like, okay, well, Olave and Wilson are going to be really good. But when, when Julian Fleming's in the game, people are going to notice. And then people are going to be like, hey, Ohio State lost like the two best receivers in college football, and they're fine for 2022 because what we saw from Julian Fleming as a sophomore made us realize this guy might be an All-American as a junior. That to, That's some bus driving to me. He doesn't have to have 70 catches to be driving the bus for the guy this year. He finished second for me. And honestly, if Chris Olave had to come back, he probably I just would have picked him like flat out because then he's just sliding into that spot as a Z receiver now. But yeah, this year is less about him leading the team in receptions or being third or whatnot, or and just being a consistent guy for them and being a guy they can put on the field. And then his third year is his blow up year, which I think has always been the projection when you look at him and what Jackson are. Jackson was maybe a little bit more ready to play when they first got here, but they both might get out of here first round draft picks. Yeah, I think if he just like, I don't really mean this, but like for lack of a better phrase, if he just sort of like gets back on track of like, yeah. oh, okay. Well, it was like year one, do this, year two, do this, then year three, explode. Uh, maybe you didn't get everything you expected in year one because of the injury, because of the pandemic. But it's like, if he gets that back and it's like, oh yeah, he's going to be awesome next year. I think that's worth driving the bus for. Uh, I'm not, I don't think any of us are surprised that he's the number one vote getter. And I think that's the kind of thing. It's like, Hey, I'm looking for like a five-star recruit that people kind of forgot about, but which is also why, like, I am really comfortable driving the bus for Paris Johnson. Cause it's like, he's like Julian Fleming, except he's starting. (laughs) He doesn't have Chris Olave in front of him. He's just playing out of position. All right. Quick break. We got to come back and do the defense. 19 different guys on defense got a vote. We'll run through that next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan, Stephen, be a texter at 614-350-3315 so you can be part of the podcast like this. You can vote. We go through all the things. More, Way more than 100. Way more than 100 texts that I went through and tallied everything up. If, if you texted about it, your vote counted. And then we, we gra- grab the comments when we can. We grab the comments when we can. We love, and I think it's fun. Listen, it's fun for people to hear us analyze stuff, but I think this is a great way for fans to be reminded of like, well, I think this as a fan, is this what other fans think too? I think it's one of the best things we do. It's a community and it's the surveys and it's the comments that we share on the podcast and we regurgitate sometimes in the text that like, it lets you know if what you're thinking as a fan is sort of is in line with all the other fans. And listen, you have friends and family who are Buckeye fans. You talk to them about it, but sometimes it's nice to get a focus group that's not in your house. 614-350-3315. These are some people on the defensive side of the ball who got one vote. Cam Brown, one. One vote. Jack Sawyer, one vote. Court Williams, one vote. Also, Steel Chambers and Kayvon Pope. Steven, they're a... Cam Brown, Jack Sawyer, and Court Williams are guys to me. I could have imagined getting more than one vote. And there might be people later on who are like, oh, I should have voted for that guy because those are three interesting names to me. I thought Cam might get more votes for the same reason that DeWan got more votes because it just happened. We just heard about it and we've been kind of talking about him because he's had some good practices. 
And then, I mean, we all saw what Jack did in the spring game. You would think some of that would come into play here. And then we've been kind of talking about Court Williams for two years now, so you would think a little bit more. But some of this would, especially with Court and Jack, it's, it might just be we know the deal. So we're going to you know, focus on some other people. I would have been here for someone to say, yes, Jack Sawyer is a five-star recruit. And, yes, everybody knows he's going to be good. I think he's going to have 10 sacks as a freshman. Like I like that would not be an unreasonable thing because you don't have he doesn't have to play fifty snaps a game to get ten snacks. Did I say snacks? Did I say yeah. the? He probably. <laughs> I, say does. I mean, I both of those are true. Yeah, both Hi. of those statements are true. Especially how now are we not truck? You can load. You know how many snacks you can put in the back of that truck? Yeah, if you've seen him, he's been eating a lot of snacks as is healthy snacks. He got a truck from Mark Wahlberg, the Mark Wahlberg mm-hmm. dealership. He got a truck for nil. Which is just like, it's one of those things that's like, hey, what's your NIL deal? It's like, I don't know. They gave me a truck. <laughs> and I took a picture with it. They said, if you take a picture with this truck and put it on Twitter, you can have it. And it's like, cool. I'm just imagining what he's going to get after he starts actually sacking people. Oh, I know. Hi, I'm Jack and I'm Zach. And we're part of the Jack and Zach sack attack. But whenever we need a snack, the Jack and Zach sack attack snack at, come on, fill in the blank here. Let's go NIL. Shake Shack, Shake Shack. There's a Shake Shack at Easton. I haven't gone yet. Let's go. Do we have to come up with every ad ourselves? So I was a little Zach surprised and, by that. Zach and Jack go to Shake Shack. Oh, that's got to be a thing. Let's ask Jerry if we can do that. Yeah. And then we, we can buy their burgers because of NIL. Yeah. Uh, the person who is driving the bus for Cam Brown drove it in three long paragraphs. I will paraphrase here from the 513. I am driving the bus in all caps. Now back to lowercase for Cam Brown at cornerback. I understand he isn't necessarily behind people in the depth chart, but he gets a little forgotten at times. And last year we sort of dismissed the, in- dismissed the injury when it happened. So I'm not sure the Buckeyes have a first round corner that is draft eligible right now, but I think they might have two second round corners and seven banks and Cam Brown. I think with having the best receiver room in the country, possibly the best offensive line, loads of potential quarterback and running back then add in the defensive line guys, two second round corners is definitely enough to win a national championship. I think Cam Brown is going to be awesome. He was a super fast dude who lots of people talked about as probably the fastest guy in the team. I know he's coming off an Achilles injury, but with a 10 or 11 month recovery timeline, as opposed to what seemed like two weeks for a tough bowler to master Teague, I am confident that he will not have lost much of a step, if at all. And he's still probably faster than anybody out there. Cam Brown, second team, all Big Ten. It's one vote, Nathan but it is a compelling, passionate case for a guy that I would agree is, quote, overlooked just kind of when you start talking about guys. Yeah, and it's almost like he is still thought of as, well, yeah, he's going to start for them because really who else do they have? Like he's the most experienced guy. The young guys are still more like depth. So it's just his job to lose almost is how it's thought of. And I don't think that maybe we have talked about him in terms of some of those physical gifts that he does bring as far as his pure speed and stuff. Uh, would I take the under on Cam Brown being a second round NFL draft pick? I, I would just because I think sometimes we forget how good you have to be to be a second round NFL draft pick and how many great players weren't even first or second, weren't second round draft picks. But I do, I think he could get, do I think it's attainable for him to be a competent Ohio state level quarter cornerback this year? I do think it's there. So that was in a group that got one vote, two votes each Dallas Gantt, legend Cavazos and Zach Harrison. 
from the 734, our guy, Nate Ardle. I'm on the bus for Zach Harrison. It's not like he's unknown. Everyone knows he could be very good, but he's already uh, being overlooked for the incoming freshman. I think he will come into his own this year, like so many others under Larry Johnson, and be a top 10 pick. That would be driving the bus. From the 330, I feel like everyone is excited about the two new guys, and I am too, but year three for Harrison should be the one that turns him into a star. It might not happen, but I believe in the kid. Steven, this is just... You know, we've been talking about this. This is not new. We don't need to spend a ton of time on Zach Harrison because everybody knows the deal. Everyone's been talking about him. But this is another one, again, where it's maybe not as fun as you said. It's more fun to go with more unknown guys. But for someone to say, I think Zach Harrison's going to have 15 sacks and be an All-American, that's driving the bus. Some, I mean, Nate said he's going to be a top 10 pick. There is definitely a way to drive the bus for Zach Harrison here as he goes from good to great, potentially. 15 sacks, you bought a plane. That's not a bus at all. You, you're you out of here with that one. It's, I understand what the premise is. The premise is he's finally going to reach his potential as a top 10 player in the country coming out of high school who was supposed to be the next in line of the, the Bosa young lineage there. You think he's going to get there at this point and go on to be a first-round pick. And that's not – I. you're not alone on that bus, I think is what we're talking – a lot of these are at this point it's – you might you're driving the bus yeah, but you already got 15, 20, 30 people who are already on your bus. While there's other people who have mentioned some people where you're literally starting the bus and you're trying to convince people to still get on. All right. Three votes each for two guys playing in the slot, Cam Martinez and Lathan Ransom. Lathan Ransom from the fourth four three. Lathan Ransom has Sean. He has Sean Wade in the slot cover safety in the slot slash cover safety role potential. He has the potential to be what Sean Wade was in there in 2019. And I believe he will get there. He has the talent and potential to surpass the Williamson's of the world by proving you can't take him off the field based on production. He will win the John Cooper award in 10 years on Buckeye retalkables, which is if we do the Ohio state, Alabama national championship game, if he's going to bite, I'll bite as a pup. And we saw, or if we do the, the Clemson semifinal and Lathan ransom was on the field for both those games. I like referencing us, doing this podcast for another 10 years. I don't know if that makes, if that warms my heart, if it makes me want to run out of the room. Welcome back to the 17th year of Buckeye talk. Woo. We'll just implant a chip in your brain at that point. Just talk directly to you. Uh, Cam Martinez also mentioned from the 937, 100% in on Cam Martinez. I don't know if it's going to be a kick or punt return for a touchdown or an interception for a touchdown or something else or both but I can just see him doing some lightning things this year. I noted this. It's just because it's for my own benefit or lack of benefit. Watch him practice on Tuesday. Lathan Ransom works with the safeties. Josh Proctor and the bullets are in with the safeties. Craig Young, Ronnie Hickman, Court Williams, they're all in with the safeties. So that group is like the deep safeties, the bullets, and Lathan Ransom. The corners, Cam Martinez and Marcus Williamson go with the corners. So that's the... Ryan Watts, Legend Cavazos, Cam Brown, Seven Banks. And that's where Cam Martinez and uh, Marcus Williamson are. Now, it look we're talking about Ransom, Williamson, and Martinez all being in the slot. But there's some mix and match potential there. They're not – just because they're kind of playing the same position, I maybe understand why they work out in different ways. Ransom's about two inches taller, 15 pounds heavier than both those guys. He is more of like the Sean Wade thing, I think, a little bit. That's a little more involved in the run game. That's a little more blitzing. That's a little bit more maybe some tight end stuff. And then I think Cam Martinez, Marcus Williamson are a little bit more straight up, like if you're covering a little quick guy in the slot. 
and just playing like slot corner. So I still would love to have a 20 minute conversation with Kerry Combs about deploying that stuff. I think it's going to be matchup determined a lot of the time. So part of me is like, why are Cam Martinez and Lathan Ransom in different groups when it feels like they're playing the same position, except they're not, I think, playing the same position. And so Nathan, when we keep having this debate about, is it cover safety? Is it slot corner? I think the answer is it is both. And even though it looks like the same position, maybe it's not the same position. And so it is very confusing. I thought it was appropriate that Ransom and Martinez got the same number of votes. I, they are maybe, I think, I think they're like my two guys that I would choose between. But I went with Cam Martinez because I think Cam Martinez is a little bit more of a surprise. And if you're telling me, I also think Ransom probably then has more ability to slide back if they try a two safety look, except Marcus Williamson, who's now working with the corners, was back in a two safety look at the end of last year. I don't know. If you're telling me that the best guy in the end to cover quick little guys in the slot is Cam Martinez, like I buy that. that like he's the best answer there. Maybe Lathan Ransom is a more physical, blitzy, run-stopper guy as a, in, in the slot. I think Cam Martinez gets on the field, and I don't know that it's 50 snaps a game, but I think he has a role. I think Kerry Combs does mix and match, and I think he has a chance to be a playmaker, whatever that looks like. But it, like maybe in a, like a platoon role, but playmaker already with like ding, 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 wait until year three. Cam Martinez is my defensive guy for driving the bus. Is anybody else super in on Cam Martinez or Lathan Ransom, either as your guy or somebody you at least considered? I, I think both of those guys, and especially Cam Martinez, it makes a lot of sense for a pick like this because I think, Driving the bus is all about picking, you know what? That guy is a football player. You know what I mean? Like that guy at his essence, that is a football player. I don't know exactly necessarily what he's going to do, but he's got, there's no question in my mind. He is a football player. Now, does he get on the field in the right way to have a huge impact? Or is it more like what this person is saying? And maybe what kind of you're speculating that it could be sprinkled in. It could be flashes. It could be something on special teams, but it may be a limited impact, but it could be a big limited impact. Okay. Let's do number four. I mean, not number four. Guys, who got four votes. Again, it's, it's appropriate, some guys, the way they're grouped. Ryan Watts got four votes as a young outside corner. Ryan Watts from the 614. Ryan Watts has been my guy, though Doug's statement that he's not going to be fooled by tall has me a little shook. I just think come playoff time, I won't be surprised if he's the best corner on the roster. Again, my only advice is please don't listen to me. Don't, don't don't let me scare you off, but I will stand by that statement. Uh, Nathan, were you, were you making Ryan Watts noises? Is he your guy? Watts was the guy that I picked too. And he was a guy that I brought up the other day. We were talking about him and I said that um, he might be the guy that I'm driving the bus for, which is what I think led to us okay. doing this today. And I, this to me goes back to last year, me having a conversation with someone who uh, had some Intel from inside the room, basically saying, that's the guy that they think is the, the real deal. Like of all the, all these guys might end up being pretty good that Watts might be the one of that group that is something special. Now that doesn't include the guys who've just gotten here this year as two freshmen. I'm talking about the guys who were last year's freshmen, which would have included ransom though. Again, he's, is he a cornerback? Is he not would have included Cavazos would have included guys like that, that Ryan Watts is the one that they see something potentially special in. I think some of it is his size, and I understand what you're saying, like, okay, a tall cornerback showed up. 
but they don't often show up at Ohio State. Like he, I think he has some physical things that um, going for him that aren't is, is a little bit unique for that room. But I also think that they have seen that uh, they've seen ways that he can do. He can have that size and naturally play the way he's supposed to play football, and that it enhances that size. He can be everything they need him to be from a mobility standpoint, a speed standpoint as a cornerback, and the size will be an asset as opposed to potentially a detriment if it doesn't come with all those other things, if you know what I'm saying. So both bullets, the guys that we think probably are going to share the bullet role, Ronnie Hickman and Craig Young, both got four votes from the 734, driving the bus for Craig Young, like seven exclamation points. Long, athletic, playmaking potential, and third year in the program. Pop time with a little fireworks emoji. From the 740, tough one. I'd love for Craig Young to play so well. We are all asking how he didn't see more action last year. I look for him and Taraji Mitchell to break out OSU linebacker years like we used to expect um, out of some of those key roles. I think those are two good points. And then Ronnie Hickman. Who said Ronnie Hickman, the 937? I am totally driving the Ronnie Hickman bus. He leaped off my TV last year in the Michigan State game. I believe he had a fumble recovery and was flying around the field, bringing a kind of pain reminiscent of Mike Doss or Christian Bryant. Also seemed to bring an energy and intensity to a defense that felt like it was going through the motions a lot last year. Cannot wait to see him playing the bullet this year. If you drop a Christian Bryant comparison, you might be bringing me to your side. Because if you're going to tell me that somebody's Christian Bryant and Christian Bryant brought energy, Christian Bryant brought playmaking, was not really an NFL player, got picked, I think, in the seventh round, but that was a lot because he had injury stuff. I think without the injuries at the end of his Ohio State career, he had a really serious injury. Um, Could have been higher. Really good player. But, you know, also, I mean, he's not, again, he's not Marshawn Lattimore, but like a really good playmaking college leader. I hadn't thought about that, but like, if that's what someone thinks Ronnie Hickman is, then like you practically have me on the Ronnie Hickman side, Steven, who would you drive the bus for more of the bullets Hickman young, or would you just divert down the court Williams frontage route? I would go Craig young first, just because his size gives you endless possibilities of what, you can do with that because he can he's clearly able to cover safety because they have him working out with the safeties but he's also been a linebacker the last two years while with Ronnie Hickman and Court Williams it's the whole point of the bullet is it's a linebacker pretending to be a safety and a safety pretending to be a linebacker well Craig Young's the only one of those three who's done both of those jobs now so I would go with him first but then also he just kind of looks like a freak yeah and they're going to mix and max mix and match those guys I think based on matchups and based on personnel and I don't think it'll just be like a random rotation of like who's tired. I think it'll be specific to each game and specific to the personnel on the other side of the ball. Five votes each for Cody Simon and seven banks, seven banks from the four one nine, honestly, seven banks. A lot of people are high on him, but some are still low. I think he has a good build and in a more normal season this year, we'll show how good he can be. I think he'll be a second or third rounder. From the 614, seven on the field, CB1 in my heart. That is succinctly and well put. Nathan, what do you think about seven banks? Because, again, if, if you're doing seven banks, it's believing that he is a truly, like, Ohio State-level number one cornerback, and, and there is room to drive the bus for that. Yeah, yeah. I think he's an example of what you're talking about before. We're like, okay, we know this guy's going to start. 
assuming he's healthy, and he was back out at practice in a limited fashion uh, on Tuesday. So he's going to be their number one cornerback, we think, and I think he probably holds that role all season. So, but you're right that there is another level above that. It's like it's not just default that he really is this good. That putting him in a first round NFL draft pick conversation is not um, off the rails, and he he's going to show everybody take last year's experience and capitalize on it in a, a special way this year. So, um, I, another guy that is kind of like a textbook case of how you drive the bus, and Cody Simon too. I think it, it's is interesting just because. Um, well, I mean, we have the, the original Cody Simon bus driver, uh, on this podcast. I mean, um, and so I guess he's, he's handed off the baton or handed off the, yeah. the club or whatever to whoever's driving this now. My, but my shift guy, is who, over. Yeah. His think, shift is over. Yeah. I yeah. think anytime that there's a guy who seems like he has a young guy who looks like he's nudging out, nudging a veteran out of the way to take over a starting spot that guy is going to be a popular guy to have the bus driven for, because you want, again, you want to be out in front of that. Pete in San Diego is driving the bus for Cody Simon in all caps. Ohio state needs a difference maker at linebacker An early reporter that he may be the guy Dallas Gantt's been in the program for more than three years. And he's not been able to unseat a guy that was barely honorable mention all big 10. Um, and even his former teammate is punching him at practice in the NFL. Yes. I'm talking about tough. God bless him. Like Doug said on the pod, you can be great in the weight room, film room, classroom, but darn it, I'm ready to see another great middle linebacker on the field at Ohio State. I think Cody Simon is that guy. That's, again, Pete in San Diego. And from the 5-3-0 driving the bus for Cody Simon, heard someone say he reminds them of A.J. Hawk. It's like, seriously, it's like, because I mean, I love this stuff. It's like, drop the comparisons. It's a fun way to do it. Even if he's 75% of A.J., he'll be good and have a great foundation to build an all-American career on. Mark it down Monday. Cody Simon will be an all-American linebacker. Steven, is this your defensive guy? It's not. Um, like I said, yeah, I've gotten off of that bus. I've allowed someone else to take it over. My 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 watch has ended on the Cody yes. Simon. I drove the bus kind to the bench. Yeah, I've, my, I wanted to drive it to him starting. I won't take it to that next level yet. I want to see what he actually does when he was out there. But my guy is a linebacker. And you've mentioned him already, and it's Taraja Mitchell. Okay, hold on. We haven't gotten to Taraja Mitchell yet. Okay. He's still coming. Continue. He's still coming. Okay, I cool. wanted to make sure if it was Cody Simon or not. Oh, no. Six votes each for Teron Vincent and Josh Proctor. Josh Proctor from the 614. I think this is a breakout. This, this is the breakout year we've all been longing for. A full offseason and job security in a defined role equals bus driver. One more on Josh Proctor from the 214. Drive the bus thoughts. Uh, I'm going with Josh Proctor and his ability to keep the secondary in check this season. If Ohio State's going to seriously challenge for the national title, this defense has got to be able to complement the offense, not in a one-for-one way, but at least reduce the amount of points from last season and lock down the secondary with greater consistency. To me, Proctor is the key to making this happen. Go Bucks! And then this again, I love the nicknames. From the 614, give me P and G. Proctor and 7 Gamble Banks, Proctor and Gamble that they're calling, I guess, a cornerback who makes plays on the ball. Gamble. We will have to ask seven banks if he's okay with the nickname Gamble. I wish Chris Gamble was here. If Chris Gamble and Josh Proctor were playing together, uh, I don't even know what Proctor and Gamble makes. What do they make? Tires? Baby formula? What does Proctor and Gamble make? Deodorant? Yeah, they're like, yeah, they're like, yeah, they're, 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 um, yeah, household stuff. 
Should Whatever. we all technically be on the Josh Proctor bus just because if he's not good, <laughs> this can go left very quickly? Well, but I don't, but it's a matter of like if he's fine, if he's like if he's good, you know, they were talking about the eraser thing again. Ryan Day yeah. dropped that eraser thing about Jordan Fuller, which is what everyone said a couple of years ago. If he's, if he's good, it's okay. So, um, and I don't want to underestimate Jordan Fuller because as soon as Jordan Fuller leaves, you realize how important Jordan Fuller is. You realize how good Jordan Fuller was. I don't know that while Jordan Fuller was here, people were going, wow. But it's like he didn't make any mistakes and he's like shut down stuff. Single high safety, man. And it's almost, it's in the run game as much as anything else. Yeah. When you're the one guy, when the running back gets out of the house and it's like, okay, it's on you. Trevor Lawrence is coming. He's either going to get an 18-yard gain or a 70-yard gain. What are we doing here, right? That's like, do you win the game or not? So some of that stuff in the run game, it's like, hey, great, you can fly to the ball and break up plays. It's like, are you a sure tackler who can shut that stuff down? Huge. So I guess to your point, Stephen, it's like, yeah, I mean, like, he at least has to be solid. I think there's a world where, like, he's good. He's not all Big Ten. He's good, and they're good enough to win the national championship. But I also think if he, like, is an eraser – that would be a big deal. The other guy who tied with Josh Proctor, Teron Vincent from the 4-4-0. I have to give it to Vincent. I think he's going to break out and be a nice compliment to Haskell Garrett. He's fully healthy in his fourth season. I think the season he'll have will mirror much of what Tommy Tokiai did last year. From the 3-2-1, driving the bus for Vincent, highly skilled recruit, never yet balled out. Sounds like Haskell Garrett's arrival last year. I am partial to these types. Last year, I picked Hilliard and Cooper. All these guys had problems getting it together, then boom. Vincent is my guy this year. By the way, you guys uh, somewhat poo-pooed those choices early last year. You guys shot their ship, thought their ship had sailed. We did. We certainly did on Jonathan Cooper, especially. Yeah. Bill in North Carolina. I have a few, but I'm driving the Tron Vincent bus. Former five-star, top 50 uh, recruit, hampered with injury. He has the upbringing to be a football star, so he knows what it takes. He's big and athletic and has shown flashes when healthy. Now fully healthy, I think he can cause serious havoc as Haskell gets the attention and our ends are flying in. He will beat one-on-ones inside and force quarterbacks or runners to either scramble or bounce right outside right into our ends. That idea, Nathan, that like there's room for Teron Vincent to be the fourth best defensive lineman on the field at any time, yet be like really good and win one-on-one matchups and make plays because people are accounting for other dudes. I mean, there's some opportunity there. Yeah, I, I thought about Vincent too. I think he's still in a situation, unfortunately, though, where it's a lot of these other guys we've talked about. It's We've seen him flash, and now it's just a matter of can he do it consistently. I still think it's almost more theoretical still with Teron Vincent. I don't know if we've really even seen that many flashes from him when he's been able to play. And it's, it's unfortunate because he had the injuries, and then last year was what it was. So this is really – by the time he starts flashing, it may just be exploding in our face. Mm-hmm. I do say, like, if Haskell Garrett could do it, I don't know why Teron Vincent couldn't do it. Sure. Right? Like, I think, I, I, I think that's – I think it's a good pick. I think it's definitely possible. Um, so Vincent and Proctor among defenders were tied for third with six votes each. Second place among the defenders. Who do you think it might be? It's Demario. It's Demario from the nine from the nine three seven. Doug Mario McCall. And how we did not get there before. It's in, it took to year six for someone to call him Doug Mario. Man, what's wrong with us? I hope he can make some plays this year and end his career on a high note. Future Ohio State coach in a decade. Interesting. From the 740, Demario. I don't know if this is serious or not, <laughs> which I think is like, we spent so much time on. <laughs> that actually is very good. 
we spent so much time on this podcast saying Demario when he was like the seventh string running back. It's like, okay, he's like working out with the corners now and is like at the front of drills. Like, do we mean this? I don't like, I don't know either. From the 614, I fully admit this is 95% wishful thinking, but I'm all in on Demario McCall in the secondary. He's so athletic, and the secondary was so bad last year. I'm hoping he can help out. I, I, I will say this, though. It's a great story. I enjoyed talking with Demario the other day about this. Sort of like he's getting an opportunity in year six. It's, it's a great story. And someone, a texter, said, like, when we talked about it on the pod the other day, like, it almost made him emotional of, like, this guy's a Buckeye, right? He's a loyal Buckeye who wants to be a Buckeye for as long as he can. There's a lot to say for that. Nathan, there's a part of me that thinks that if Demario McCall is on the field for significant defensive snaps in the secondary, they're in trouble. Like I have a hard time wrapping my head around like, hey, you're trying to win the national championship? Who's running your starting corners? That's a sixth-year guy who never played defense before this year. I guess it can happen, but to me, Demario plays meaningful snaps because something – is not quite right with Seven Banks, Cam Brown, and Ryan Watts at the very least, right? And Cam Martinez. And like, I just, it's like, wow, what does that look like? And that is not a shot at DeMario. It's just like, man, it is hard to go from a guy who barely had a role on offense to five years to having a meaningful role on defense, no matter how kind of surprisingly comfortable you might look in practice. And no matter how many good things the coaches are saying about you, it's hard for me to wrap my head around how that would actually look. Yeah, and let's also make sure that we talk about exactly what the what's what Kerry Combs was saying when he talks about Demario. Like, okay, yeah, he goes out there and demonstrates the best technique about something. That doesn't make him the best cornerback to at doing that in a way. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, he had the like most textbook technique. That doesn't mean he's the most fluid. That doesn't mean he's the fastest. It doesn't mean a lot of things. So I, I want to make sure that he gets credit for what he's done without uh, us going or anybody going over the top and as, assuming things that aren't necessarily there. I agree with you that it would either means that there have been a kind of series of injuries or things are, are really, really off from a development standpoint if he's playing a lot. Here's where you drive the bus when it's this crazy and it's DeMario. DeMario McCall is going to make a play this year that is going to help Ohio State win a national title. It might be the only thing he does all year. It might be on special teams. I don't know where it's going to be at, but he just might randomly be on the field and he just makes the play that helps Ohio State win a national title. I don't know what that looks like. Me either. I don't know what that looks like. No offense. I just don't know what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, you're driving the bus. That's what it is. With Demario McCall, you're driving the bus and you don't really know where you're going. I am driving. I'm driving like the big yellow school bus, like in the sky. I'm driving like the bus in the song, like when they were high, when they wrote the song and it's the bus in the clouds and there's rainbows and <laughs> unicorns and fairies, right? I'm on that Demario bus and we're like floating in the air. I, it's hard for me to get on the bus. It's like, is this the, uh, is this the seven bus to Demario Junction? Yes, it is. Come aboard. It's like, uh, I don't know if I can get on. Taraja Mitchell won on defense. Hey. So you guys nailed it. The, the four guys, so Julian Fleming got 11 votes, and I said the other four guys got at least eight. Who were they? And you got three of the four. 
You got Mayan Williams, you got Kyle McCord, you got Taraja Mitchell, and Nathan, you said Dewan Jones, and there were Dewan Jones votes pouring in late. The other guy was Trayvon Henderson that was actually, but you guys were all over this. Steven, this is your guy. This is the guy that you picked, also picked by the 859. I'm going with Taraja Mitchell. I think he might be an all Big Ten kind of linebacker and a Malik Harrison level player. From the 609, I think Taraja Mitchell is going to be an unsung hero of this defense. I can see him being a guy that makes big plays on first and second down and helps keeps the offense behind schedule. Would have been a great a great green dot helmet guy if they did that in college. That's in the NFL. Like the guy who makes the calls for the defense mm-hmm. has a green dot. Like you wear the green dot. The Browns are talking about it. If they got Anthony Walker, the veteran linebacker, to be the green dot. John Johnson is a safety who also has been the green dot in his career. It's good to have like those. It's like the quarterback of the defense kind of thing. And I think that's a great description. I think Taraji Mitchell is a green dot kind of guy, which is why I thought he might be on the field two years ago. This is another great comparison. And again, I like when people use recent players for comparisons. This is one of the best ones that I've heard in a while. From the 719, I believe Taraji Mitchell will be the Brian Roll of this year's linebacker group. You should remember how Brian Roll saved Ohio State from Navy that day, as well as from questionable decisions and secondary assignments. Ohio State lost to USC at home that year, but won the Rose Bowl against Oregon. So we know Brian Roll is a great comparison because he was not an All-American. He was undersized, but he just did the right stuff. He made plays. Everybody loved him. You know, do we think Taraja Mitchell, like an A.J. Hawk, Cody Simon was compared to A.J. Hawk. Like, that's rough. But, like, Brian Roll is not one of the great linebackers in Ohio State history. He's not Ryan Shazier or Chris Spielman. But he was a really good football player. I love that comparison. I like Taraja Mitchell being at the top of this list. Steven, why was he your pick? I was re-watching the spring game on Sunday. I don't know why. I just was just Sunday and I have everything better to do. He looked really good in that spring game, even though they couldn't tackle. He was kind of everywhere in that will linebacker role. And as we know, that that linebacker position is typically leading this team in tackles. Malik Harrison did it, and then Pete Warner did it last season as well. I think that's on the table for him. And I think in the name of we've been waiting for somebody to take tough Borland's spot for 75 years now, I think Taraja Mitchell is going to be the guy where of the 2018 guys who, who were blocked, this is going to be the one we're going to look back on it after six or seven games in the season and go, how the heck is this kid just now getting on the field? This is a top 50 recruit who's just been blocked and never had a chance to really do anything much. But somebody from that linebacker group from the 2018 recruiting class has to hit. And I just think he's the guy who can do that. He's not the Marshawn Lattimore Malik Hooker award because this isn't year three for him anymore. But for him to just pop up in year four, and remind everybody why he was a top 50 recruit and be a first team all big 10 guy. I think that's on the table. We thought he was going to be a Mike early in his career. And it was yeah. like, it, he was backing up tough Borland. And then it's like, no, they kind of switched it. And it's like, Gant wound up as the Mike and Mitchell's the will. And so then if you're the will, now you're blocked by Pete Warner and Baron Browning. Right. Yep. And it's like, okay, well now it's like, well, Pete Warner was a second round pick. It, people like love Pete Warner. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I get it. You know, I mean, I guess, you know, that I don't know what else they were supposed to do. Um, but, yeah, doesn't a lot that, of this seems very possible. Doesn't that Mike to Will move in a player's career right now for us? They seem like a promotion. That seems to me like we're thinking maybe you're the guy that we eventually can't take off the field. You need to be at Will because Mike becomes a spot that whether it's nickel or some of these other looks, they, they might get um, loose with who they use there. But Will seems to be the guy that is the anchor. 
Yeah, because that's why they, they moved Pete Warner there last year because they felt like they couldn't take him off the field. Yeah. I mean, and, and Warner never played the mic, though. I mean, he moved from strong side right, to Will. Right, right. But, but the Will is always like the run and chase. It's more the playmaker mm-hmm. role. It's like go go make a play, go chase down a running back, a little more freedom. And, I mean, anymore, especially when they're doing two linebackers in the bullet, it's like the Mike and the Will are so similar. It's like practically doing the same thing. But I just think a lot of it makes sense. It's like at the moment, if you said, what do you know about the linebackers? Like, well, I'm pretty sure Taraji Mitchell is going to start and he'll probably be pretty decent. It's probably the, the best, the, the surest bet in the linebacker room, even though a lot of people are on Cody Simon, even though people, we kind of have an idea for the bullet. So I like it. I think there's some good picks again, to recap on the defensive side of the ball, Taraja Mitchell, eight votes, Demario McCall, seven, Teron Vincent, and Josh Proctor, six, Cody Simon and seven banks, five on the offensive side of the ball, Julian Fleming, 11, Mayan Williams, 10, Kyle McCord and Trayvon Henderson, eight master Teague, six, to recap what we voted, Stephen, you voted Taraja Mitchell on defense. And who was your offensive guy? Emeka Ibuka. Emeka Ibuka. So Ibuka and Mitchell. Nathan, who were you guys again? Uh, same as you on Paris Johnson and also Ryan Watts. Paris Johnson and Ryan Watts. And mine were Cameron Martinez on defense and Paris Johnson on offense. All right. That's some good bus driving. I like that one. I think. Again, it's like, we'll look back. We don't have time to re-listen to these things. We just have another one to make. So I don't know if we'll ever listen to this again in a year where we look back and say, but there's going to be some that we're going to look back and be like, man, we were right. There are going to be some we're going to laugh at because we either underestimated a guy or overestimated a guy. But it is fascinating to me, Nathan, in the end, people are passionate about this running back room and they're passionate in three different directions. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, and, and they're not mutually exclusive. I don't want to say that. There are plenty of people who in their explanation was like, I love Travion Henderson's potential, but I'm driving the bus for Mayan Williams or Master Teague, right? Or I really like Mayan Williams, but I'm driving the bus for the five-star recruit, right? Like there, you can like more than one, but that I think is the the most interesting place where somebody's going to be right, I think, and somebody's going to be kind of wrong because they can't, they're not going to divide the running back room equally three ways. And right. so there's going to be some people who are driving a bus to nowhere. And there's going to be some people who are like in speed where they can't go less than 55 because they were so right about this. And, and, and I don't know that we know which way it's going to go. No, but, but I, I agree with you that I, my inclination is a third of those people are probably driving the wrong bus, but not necessarily by their own fault, but just because, you know, Ryan Day has thought that, oh, I think you can play three. I, I don't know that I see that. I think the bulk of this goes through two guys and it goes there pretty fast. All right. That's our bus podcast for the big Wednesday pod on Buckeye talk. Be a tech subscriber. Just do it. 614-350-3315. We'd love to have you. We're having a good time over there. I know Friday is coming receiver Mount Buckmore and it's going to get real. It is going to get really real Uh, Thursday pod. I'm not sure what we'll do. We'll do something. There's a lot going on. So we appreciate you guys being part of it. Readcleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk. We'll take a review if you got it on Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere. Spotify, Google Podcasts. You'll find us. And uh, and thanks for being on the bus with us. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>